0: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Driven Chat podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Well, hello there. Welcome to a bonus episode of the Driven Chat podcast, coming to you on a, well, midweek moment, which is a little bit frightening, because we don't do this. John, what's going on? John Markar, Amy Shaw, sat with me, Andy J. Hello. John, what's happening? It's a bit strange, isn't it? It's Thursday, and we're releasing a podcast, and we've never done that before, but it's for a good reason. What is the reason? Well, if you remember a few weeks ago, Amy, you (laughs) and I had a chat with a remarkable lady called Philippa Sage, who has written a rather interesting book. Now, the book is interesting, but what's a little bit more interesting is the fact that uh, Philippa Sage has had a relationship with somebody we all know quite well. Is it you, John? No. (laughs) Because you've got a bit of a crush on Philippa Sage. You talk about her a lot. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. I could see. Yeah, that's fine. And Philippa will be listening. Hi, Philippa. Not embarrassed at all by this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't cut this picture. No, Anna. no, no, no. That's it's staying in. It's staying in. <laughs> um, but yeah, Philippa Sage. Uh, so Philippa was the. She was like the the right hand woman, I guess, to Top Gear Live. So the amazing sequence of events that went all over the world. Clarkson, Hammond, and May, and even before then, traveling the world, doing amazing stuff with. Top Gear as a brand. And then, as time went on, she found herself in a relationship with, as she describes in her book, which I think is brilliant, the controversial one. Jeremy Clarkson.
2: Correct. Mm. I have to say, John, you asked some questions that I think only you could get away with asking. <laughs> but I'm, some of the, when, you, when you asked some of the questions, I cringed a little bit because I was like... <laughs> How is this going to go down? But, you, you know, you, you were very, very polite and charming when you, when you asked them. And it was actually a very insightful conversation.
0: I did test the water first as well. And before we hit the record button, I did ask Philippa if we could address that subject. Because, of course, if you Google Philippa, the first thing that comes up on Google is mistress affair... Scandal. See, this, you know, this all is different to me, John. I wouldn't ask permission. I just hit <laughs> record and see if the conversation <laughs> allows it, rather than, yeah. is there anything I can't ask yeah. you? Jeremy Clarkson, you know. dating each other for quite a long time, about seven years together. Can I, can I? But Philippa was great, because, of course, she knows that that's going to be a subject that people are going to ask or want to know about. And, yeah, she gave a very honest, very real account of that chapter of her life, which is obviously still very significant. And, yeah. We talk about that, we talk about the book, we talk about some of the amazing adventures and stories and I think this is a really good listen. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. Yes, those of you that follow us on the Driven Chat radio show, which is Sundays at 7 o'clock on Talk Radio. It's new if if you're not aware of it. It's only been a couple of episodes. We've got episode three this Sunday. Very exciting. James Martin, the super chef and massive petrol head is one of our big guests. You will know that uh, Philippa actually did join us last weekend for a snapshot. You guys, we played a little bit of this interview and sort of made it clear we'd be putting out the full one here. I've got to say a lot of people intrigued by the story she has mm. to share. So should we dive in and let the magic happen? Let's do it. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. And here we are with this week's headline guest of the Driven Chat Podcast. It's a lady who I hadn't really heard about if I'm being completely honest until I received a press release all about her new book and my Ears and eyes pricked up instantly. Firstly, before I introduce our lovely guest, though, I'm so happy because I have, for the first time in what feels like about a million years, Amy Shaw sat beside me.
2: Hello, Mr Marker. I'm How so sorry it's been so long. I've been a little bit busy up and down the country with many shoots, with exciting things, which I will be able to talk to you about and due course. But until then, uh, no, it's been lovely to, to see you it's, and to be back on the podcast. I know.
0: It's brilliant to have you here. It's brilliant. And of course, talking to myself and Amy Shaw today, we have a lady called Philippa Sage. Hello, Philippa.
1: Hi. First of all, I can't believe you're calling me a lady. That's really (laughs) lovely.
0: (laughs) How would you prefer to be uh, titled?
1: Oh, I don't know. I still think of myself as a girl. <laughs> Sorry. But it's no, bit... no, no. Don't you do apologise because clearly I'm an old woman. <laughs> no, not at not... all. But I know
2: what you mean because it gets so. I, I'm I'm 30 next week, and it's got to the point now where you know if you're out, and you about are trouble, a girl. Well, the, the thing is now people like children point at me and go, "That lady has got funny uh-huh, yes. sh- hair or something." I'm like, "That lady? Am I a am I lady? I don't feel like a lady. I feel like a teenager still." Yes. <laughs> so, I no, know it's... exactly what you mean. <laughs> (laughs)
0: and I think from working with lots of lovely people in in our lovely industry of all ages I come to the conclusion now that I don't think that mentality ever actually changes I think even when you get when we get to the point if we're lucky enough to survive this long where we're sort of 80 or 90 years old we will still think of ourselves ultimately as teenagers won't we as I hope so
1: yeah exactly yeah I do remember old people telling me you still feel the same you know Mm. when (laughs) <laughs> and in fact I was the original title for the book was top girl and then I I said to the publisher I really think I'm too old to <laughs> <laughs> well they, they do there's, there's a great quote which is
2: um the aim is to die young as late as possible so I'm mm. going to go with that and say that yeah we're all kids like. in our mind still we just somehow now have money and responsibility and we get to do fun things so um yeah, yeah because i yeah. suppose that's what a lot of the things that we do now especially around cars we've ended up coming here because it's fun and it's funny how humans basically do so many things because it is fun mm. and then somehow the very lucky few of us somehow managed to get paid to do this as well and be oh like, God. this is called fun somehow it's a yeah. job so um so yeah i mean Sorry, John. I'm sure you're about to start things up, but no. I, I wanted to, to know how on earth. I'm sure this must be the question you get all the time. How on earth did you end up doing the job that you, uh, you know, we know you for for so long? What what got you to that point where you're like, oh, I found myself looking after these three man children.
1: <laughs> <laughs> how did that happen? <laughs> uh, well, I, I've I've had many jobs. Um, And actually, one of my aims was to never have a proper job. Um, And I just, I got invited by a friend who uh, was a model and uh, she did, and a dancer, and she did, if she wasn't modelling or dancing, she did PR work, as in a pretty girl promoting whatever. And... um, she was working at Motor Show and she asked me if I'd like to join her, her agent, they needed more girls. And I I thought, oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, mm. like you say, having a fun job. I, I'm just up for any, I still am up for anything <laughs> if it sounds like fun. So um, I went to an interview, got the job and ended up working for Renault um, and in the days when there were huge budgets, um, we had Chanel suits and we went to Swindon headquarters to be trained about the Renault Laguna. Um, <laughs> so I was a pretty girl um, who knew about cars. <laughs> um, and then I got, I basically then got head hunted, well, not head hunted, but um, I think I said in the book, liked the look of by an agency that that worked for a lot of motor manufacturers and I went for an interview with them and uh, they really liked me. So through them, I then got put forward for a job to work with Top Gear um, at Motor Show. And, um, and that's where it all began. And I was put in the green room at the back. So basically Top Gear in the day, Top Gear magazine had a stand and, um, Uh, We were selling merchandise and then about four times, five times a day, there was a little 20 minute performance from then Top Gear presenters, Jeremy Clarkson and Quentin Wilson and Tiff Nadell. And um, I was part of that team, but I was put backstage of where they presented their thing uh, to look after them and the management and any visitors or whatever. So, um, and I, I just, I just got on well, really well, especially with Andy and Jeremy, just had the same sense of humour. And um, yeah, it turned out I, I realised I was a bit of a tomboy. <laughs> Amazing.
0: So that Andy, I'm guessing is Andy Willman?
1: Yes. Fantastic. Yes, yes.
0: And at yeah. what, I guess trying to cast your mind back to that time and thinking there you were, Especially coming from a PR world already, you kind of you're you're used to the the fast-paced, glitz and glamour in inverted commas, I should say, because yeah. of course it always looks glitzy and glamorous yeah, yeah, to, the, to yeah. the consumer. But us as the people that are responsible for putting these kind of events and things together, it's often a constant firefight, isn't it? Do you think? Uh, can you think back to that time working with people like Clarkson and Willman and Quentin and Tiff? Did you think about long-term aspirations with this or, or at the time was it just a this is a fun thing that'll do for now but there'll be something else that will come along in the future
1: I, I absolutely with I've, I'm not ambitious I've just gone from one thing to another uh, I've actually had health issues since those days actually in my early to mid-20s and I just Went with whatever was coming my way. I've I've kind of lived hand to mouth, and uh, uh, like I say, never wanted a proper job. I I attempted to go into an office environment on a couple of occasions, and I couldn't bear it. So I just did what pleased me. Amazing. Uh, yeah, well, I think that's...
2: it's a very wise way of going into to work. I think just you know doing what you find fun and that makes yeah. you happy. <laughs>
1: yeah and then it doesn't feel like work exactly (laughs) that's it so
0: the book of course we i don't think we've even mentioned the title other other than your suggested title which i quite like i quite (laughs) like top girl i think that sounds quite good but the book that you've come up with is called off road and it's that well the full title is off road with clarkson hammond and may now this is ultimately this is almost it's a combination of a journal and or i i think i like you i've worked on huge scale moving motoring events all over the world and done all sorts of things. And I often used to find myself writing things down at the end of a long day or at the end of a long week, just to kind of remind myself exactly what I'd done. Because of course you get to the end of these weeks and everything just becomes a blur and you can't remember yeah, yeah. what country you were in on Tuesday versus where you had breakfast on Wednesday and then how on earth you've ended up in a different continent so i often used to find writing things down was brilliant and some people often said to me god one day yeah, that could become a book of some sort." but ultimately yours has become the book because of course yeah. you've got here a collection of fantastic chapters about working from the early days with the the early top gear crew through to Clarkson, hammond and mate in their absolute prime in the the rerun of top gear from the early 2000s and if anyone like myself has googled your name before talking, they will see a number of tabloidy headlines that um, allude to you as Clarkson's mistress. It sounds like a horrible word saying it, doesn't <laughs> yeah, it? it is a
1: horrible word, but isn't it? but
0: there was you know that working relationship did lead to something more, didn't it?
1: It did actually. My my favourite headline from uh, I think I was on the front pages for about every day for a week which I literally didn't leave my house because I was just, I I was terrified. I don't know, it just makes you feel crap. Um, Mm. And uh, because, yeah, you think you're being judged where I was just following my heart. Um, But the best headline was me walking out of my house uh, I basically wanted to get rid of the paparazzi before my son came home mm. from school because uh, he's autistic. I, I think, yeah, I allude to that in the book, but um, he got he used to get stressed at the best of times coming home, just a transition from mm. car to uh, home. So I took my dog as um, as uh, <laughs> some kind of uh, a uh, you know to make me feel stronger. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there I am walking out my door with the dog and the headline was a speech bubble out of my dog saying, I thought you were my mistress. Oh, wow.
2: <laughs> I bet whoever thought of that was so pleased with the so that himself. With himself.
0: So <laughs> with <himself>. Oh, <laughs> incredible.
1: Oh,
2: man. So, I- yeah.
0: Well, they are, and how long did that little relationship go on for? Because it was a public thing, wasn't it? You were seen, you were photographed it was public, together. Yeah. It was—it yeah. wasn't yeah. a secret in the sense of, despite the fact that, of course, the tabloids were going to make want to make it sound as, uh, salacious, a, a, yes, yeah. salacious and seedy as possible. But of course, as you said, you followed your heart. You can't be—you yeah. you can't be critiqued for fancying somebody and having an attraction and a relationship forming. Just because that person has a previous chapter, you know that's not how the world works, unfortunately. No. Um, so yeah, how long did how long was that relationship going on? Was it an on and off thing, or was it a thing that came and went? Uh,
1: it was an on and off thing, and then it it became. Uh, I think it was about seven years we were officially together. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, it was pretty intense. And at high speed, <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: Amazing. And how's your relationship now with Jeremy? Are you friends? Uh,
1: we are vaguely in touch, yeah. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty bruised by it. So mm. I, I try to, I don't get too involved, basically. That's fair enough. That's fair enough.
2: I suppose it's one good thing about kind of being like a normal person like myself. You can just ignore your ex, you can just get rid of them. But I suppose when you've got yes. someone mm. like, like Jeremy, you've kind of yeah. like, oh, you you flick through Dave or whatever, you're like, oh yeah. bloody hell, there he is again. <laughs> <So you> can... <laughs> well, um yeah. uh, I've
1: I've I've um it took a long time for me to get over it. And uh, as you say, because you can't escape uh especially because he's so he's all over the place uh but um but yeah i'm i'm i it's really nice actually now uh i can enjoy watching the grand tour and uh because yeah i was pretty sore afterwards because i couldn't work with him anymore and yeah but i've moved on and it's uh you know, I I, I I enjoy watching them all. Um, still very much, they still make me laugh.
0: Absolutely, there must be so many happy memories. I mean, you can I pick um, up on oh, that in the yeah. book. Yeah, the the some of the adventures. I'm, in fact, I'm going to pass the, the book over to Amy. This is the first time Amy's actually physically held the book. So she's going to go through some of these chapter names, which are just brilliant. Because immediately, as soon as you flick through the chapter names, you just think, <laughs> right. right, I need to skip straight forward. To that. I need to find out what's going. And that's the great thing about this book is you can do that. It's not a step by step, is it? You can you can kind of see something that you think i I need to know what that means
2: i'm just going to read a couple of these so just skimming my eyes out the very first one that caught my eye was just (laughs) just call me a horse the from page 40. (laughs) Uh, richard you're fired (laughs) yeah (laughs) um no in your backside The one after, directly after that, Richard pulls a moose. I'm so intrigued already. <laughs> oh man, I mean. I what... don't think
0: I made it to um, no comma in your backside. Are you able to just give a hint as to what that might be about? Because I've got a couple yeah. of ideas and I think they're both wrong.
1: I'm glad you like those chapter titles because I really enjoy <laughs> Um And uh, yeah, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm really writing this. I think, uh, and obviously, why my relationship came about with Jeremy and, and my friendship with Andy Wilman, and then obviously Rich and James, is that I think in the same way as they do. I'm kind of, yeah, um, I'm on their wavelength. Mm. So, uh, yes, what was the question? <laughs> how did how
2: did um, oh, no in, backside, in your backside uh, in that chapter backside. come along?
1: Okay, so that was in at the Kyle Army Grand Prix circuit in Johannesburg. And uh, as, uh, John, you've read it, you, you'll know there was a lot of... And the, the names... Suggest- Actually, I wanted that was another name for the book. I wanted to call it Off-Piste. <laughs> <laughs> because generally they were. I think Richard said once, um, I've got to go home. I've been drunk for a month. <laughs> 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 um, so with yeah, in Kyle Army, we rocked up, and th- this was a huge festival—absolutely huge. It was the probably the biggest thing we'd done to date. Um, so we literally filled the interior and exterior of the circuit with activity. Motoring activities—you need know, you to do off-road. You could do stunt driving school. Uh, you could watch the the boys racing with other celebrities. We had. Um did we have Mark or whatever there David Coulthard there racing the red bull F one red bull car. Uh Sabine Schmitz, God bless her. Um oh it makes me emotional. Mm-hmm. Um and Eddie Jordan and we had rugby stars, sports stars. It, it it was huge. And um the boys so the boys had to uh race around the track in you know pretty hardcore in some supercars i can't remember oh i think there was um i think jeremy might have had a the mercedes is it the what's the one with the goal?
0: oh the sls yes
1: <laughs> the yeah. sls yes 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 uh and james may have been a ferrari i can't remember but anyway so we turn, we rock. we've had a big yet another big night out it may well have been after Uh, We always used to have, the last night we were in said country, we'd have a big crew party, and um, it was very big. I mean, they were all very big. It was just (laughs) continuous. Um, So the boys turned up really haggard and struggling. They'd had their McDonald's or whatever (laughs) to try and pick them up and still feeling rubbish. And I said, oh, do you want me to see if I can get you the vitamin B12 injection, which the paramedics that were always with us, this particular team that followed us around South Africa over the years, they had offered that as a hangover cure. And I I knew it was a, a, a good thing because it really does give you an instant pick-up if you have an injection of it. So Jeremy goes, yes, yes, go and find them, go and find them. So off I go and... Um, Famously, I I came back in and I said, all right, um I can't remember her name. Oh, shit, it's on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, a blonde paramedic that they all like the look of, was, a, was Genevieve was her name, was going to come up and administer these injections. So Jeremy said, so where do you have them? And I just immediately came out with, in the eyeball, because <laughs> the whole room fell about. Because... Jeremy has got a real aversion about eyes. Like if he if he had to have Optrex, which he did on one occasion, he's total and utter wimp. Can't bear it and doesn't like it. If you you know just moving an eyelash, he freaks out. Um, So that was funny. And no, it wasn't in the eyeball. It was in the backside. (laughs) They they then Richard opted out. He uh, stood by his um, Baroque. Barocca and uh, paracetamol and um, and a bit of Red Bull I think and um, Jeremy and James are well up for it so they literally lay across these giant bean bags we had in the green room and pulled their trousers down to reveal their builder's bum (laughs) and I've got I think they've got is a vision.
0: Book. It is. It is. Yeah. It was one of the. It was one of the ones I. Because of course, like a lot of. Oh, the
2: photos in the book as there well. There are. And we've got photos oh. in the middle, and
0: um, sure enough, exactly as you predicted, oh, there it. is a lovely photo of James May <laughs> who appears to be biting a pillow yeah, as he's I, about yeah, to yeah, be, yeah, yeah. As, and Jeremy beside him with his builder's bum, and that must be Genevieve there about to administer yeah, the, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. a rather large-looking syringe, a very
2: large needle. <laughs> oh my word there must have you this i'm i'm excited to read the book there must be so many stories like that i mean um one question i wanted to ask you was oh, it's so easy to see how fun all of these adventures um will have been but was there any point where you were in a point where you thought sugar were in a bit of trouble or in a bit of a sticky situation here and you thought i don't really know what's going to happen next like a bit something a bit maybe scarier or anything like that you thought or or, we, or was it actually in fact always fairly safe and are we the viewers made to believe that things are a bit sketchier than they actually are
1: uh no there there were there definitely, definitely risks taken i mean in theory there were risk assessments made uh because you're putting on a performance in a public arena um but Jeremy genuinely pushes the boundaries um, <laughs> I think that's quite obvious um and uh I did used to get scared watching some of the stunts they did um I, what actually comes to mind is way back when Tiff was on tour with us. I think it was when Richard had had his accident uh, the big <laughs> I think it was the first big it, one the biggest one <laughs> yeah um. The uh, rocket car, rocket card one. It was a rocket, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when he sustained his seriously serious head injury, um, and so Richard wasn't doing the shows. We were, and it was when we were just doing um, Birmingham and uh, at the NEC and Earl's Court. And Tiff, um, there was a scene where Tiff was in a BMW. It might have been an M3. Uh, Yeah, it would have been. And he uh, drove at speed across the arena. So this was in Arles Court or or the NET, but it was a relatively small area, Um, probably about, I don't know, 10 or 12 car lengths, maybe a bit more than that long. And he went up a ramp and... In and through a caravan. Um and that
2: that was the intention, it wasn't just what happened. No, that (laughs) That was the the intention. intention.
1: (laughs) And but directly behind the caravan was a a solid concrete um you know, those huge concrete barriers that you have on the motorways. And so if he got it slightly wrong, he got it very wrong. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Another one that springs to mind is jeremy driving a i'd forgotten about this when I was writing the book uh driving a discovery i think yeah it was a discovery um up a huge almost vertical ramp that was created off the back of a um a giant um kind of flatbed. I don't know how they built the ramp but Jesus Christ it was it was <laughs> and oh that's right he was racing so he was driving as i say practically vertically up this huge ramp that had been um specifically made for this stunt that right next to it a climbing wall had been made that a professional climber was racing up so he was racing the climber mm-hmm. and that i used to yeah, there were a lot of times when I felt
0: on edge. <laughs> <laughs> and would you say in your, the professional side of working with Clarkson, Hammond and May, obviously we we as the consumers often, we know them best for many years on Top Gear and now of course the Grand Tour and each have their own amazing personalities that come through and Jeremy is often seen as a, a, you know, a bit of a well-calculated buffoon, I think was the best description I'd ever seen for him. Um, <laughs> James comes across as a bit more sensible and slow and a bit more calculated, and Hammond is a bit more sporadic and does bits and pieces. Would you say that is a true reflection of their actual personalities away from the cameras and away from the the live shows and things? If you're, let's say, the four of you are in a pub together, is it much the same as what you'd expect it to be?
1: Yeah, it is. It, it, and, <laughs> and it, it um, used to amaze me how they... So for the entirety of, uh, so as soon as we met up in an airport, or as I said, the airport would sometimes assemble near us with private (laughs) jets and helicopters, um, game on, you know. And the three of them, to some extent, were far more relaxed doing this than they were, uh, probably a lot more relaxed because TV's, lot more serious and you've got to get it done in a Mm. certain amount of time and you know there's a lot more pressure um but this especially as time went on they found they're so clever at learning lines and getting into different vehicles and crazy things they were that were created for the show and they found so they were quite relaxed a lot of the time, or, or they were very good at disguising the fact that they might have been crapping themselves. But <laughs> mm-hmm. I genuinely, I, you know, I know that they were, that they're, especially with lines, they're just unbelievable how they get, you know, they're just on it. And, but so they, as soon as we got together, the jibing and, uh, you know, ribbing each other and taking a piss and stories and just did not stop. <laughs> They're just on it all the time. Um and as you as you say, they are the characters that you know. Mm so um, it's nice to know yeah. that
2: the friendship we see on on tv is is the genuine friendship and it's not like they all go to their own houses and be like okay see you tomorrow at work or whatever it's it's actually a but i suppose i mean what do, do you know if they were if they were really great friends to begin with or is that something that happened over the course of the years of working together um because
1: it looks so natural like they've known each other since they were kids but um i don't know yeah. where they came from no um so jeremy's obviously been around on top gear for uh way longer than the other two, Um, or you may not know that. But um, I can remember I went to the studio at Dunsfold to watch some filming, um, and it was one of the first shows that James had done, and I'd never met him before. And um, I remember coming off and chatting to Andy, Wilman and saying why have you taken james on he's so boring <laughs> and um and he was literally putting his aaron jumper on bless him and um and he said well you can't have you can't have three egos um and so yeah as you said earlier i think john uh, james is is the quieter one for sure um but it's all well it's not luck cuz andy's andy Willman is the a big genius behind it all uh and then it was a little bit of luck i guess in in the way in which the dynamic of them worked um Mm. Well, obviously, you can see that, um, yeah. And they and they, they do genuinely irritate each other massively sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but, that, but you know, you see that on camera too, don't you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah.
0: Now, we obviously know that there was the, the big, there were a series of build-ups to Top Gear on the BBC as Clarkson Hamden May coming to an end, and there were, all of which you allude to in, in the book, which is great because, of course, it's, it's lovely. It's always fascinating. I had a, a similar relationship when reading Richard Porter's book and on that oh, bombshell yeah. where Richard talks about that time that was getting close to the fracas, the word we all had to Google when, uh, <laughs> yeah, when it all yeah. happened. But, of course, just before then, there was some controversy about racial slurs in a poem. There was some controversy about the way that Jeremy was acting towards a certain producer. And then, of course, came the incident where... There was a slight altercation, and and it, it resulted in the your chapter that says that punch, where it's mentioned
2: on page two hundred and forty. Yeah, <laughs> and it
0: it must be it must be fascinating to have all the knowledge and insight of seeing all of that unfolding from the inside, effectively, because of course the vast majority of us as consumers and as huge fans of the three of them. We all reacted to the news in various different ways. I mean, goodness me, I remember seeing news reports about somebody hiring a tank and driving through central London yes. in, a, in a military tank with, you know, sign a petition to get Clarkson his job back. And, and of course, <laughs> it was a mixture of, you know, emotion where people felt so upset that their favorite personality had been taken off the television but then also people saying come on no, come on imagine you you in your work environment somebody that you work with hits your boss or hits anyone a colleague the intern it's not acceptable you know that that can't happen can you remember what your emotions were like at that time seeing all of that unfold and i guess having that additional dimension and a, perhaps a, a closer relation to jeremy there's you, you yes. write very nicely about wanting to go and kind of Put your arm around him and just kind of comfort him because of course he seemed to get a bit lost and there's a there's a very touching anecdote about Andy as well saying Andy still had his office at the BBC yeah and he'd go and just sit and it was it was such an uncertain time you know they'd all put their hearts and their soul and their creative energy for such a long time into something so powerful that every single country in the world watched and suddenly it just stopped
1: yeah yeah no, I make it does actually make me feel emotional now because um yeah, I obviously I was with Jeremy when it happened. Uh Yeah, it was a mess. Um he shouldn't have done what he did. Um and he did get, you know, he paid his price literally for that. Uh well, yeah. And um it was horrible. It was really, really horrible. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, I mean, I was it because I was involved in the production of well, I was involved in all sides of it. And I felt very close to a lot of people on the production crew of the program. I'm very fond of Andy Willman. Um, he was absolutely well, as was Jeremy was devastated. But um he sort of comes fighting out of a paper bag sort of thing um finding a way uh and he uh jeremy was uh, what was quite endearing was he felt very honored to work for the bbc um but you know he only has himself to blame really um yeah so it was it was horrible um and yeah where were all these people going to end up um and the, the uh, Top Gear Live was, you know, that whew, that was, uh, well, the whole thing was a mess, but... Because,
0: um, of course, Top Gear Live was still contracted to carry on, wasn't it? Despite the fact that the TV show was coming yeah, to a change. Yeah, it
1: involved, it involved uh, Brand Events, or yeah. Sub-Zero was the company that Brand Events created to put this on in conjunction with BBC Worldwide, and... So, I don't. It, I know it was very complicated, and somehow, bless him, Chris Hughes uh, from Brand Events uh, managed to negotiate something to carry on, but it was rebranded as Clarkson Hammond and May Live
0: because
1: mm. um, that's what it was. <laughs>
0: Indeed. Well, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's and it, it that's proved in the on you know, that next chapter, hasn't it, with it all being the grand tour. Yeah, you know, people aren't Yeah,
1: and then go and then getting the Amazon deal. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean that was yeah. <laughs> they uh that yeah, that was an interesting time. I was uh with um Jeremy once when um it, you know there were loads of phone calls and different offers on the table and um we were what we were watching Telly and his phone rang and um, he answered it and he had this conversation and they, he came off the phone and he goes, oh my god, oh my god, that was um, that was George Lucas huh. as in and and he was beside himself with excitement and he rang Andy Wilman, and, and then he'd arranged to meet up with George Lucas and um, <laughs> it turned out in his deaf state <laughs> he got the name wrong <laughs> <laughs> and he went to meet this guy who wasn't George Lucas. <laughs> he thought he was about
2: to make an epic movie. <laughs> That's amazing.
0: <laughs> Do you think, did you see it as, uh, Jeremy, did you did you think that throughout that time, in that transition period between it being BBC and Amazon, and of course all of these phone calls constantly coming in and offers being floated and put on the table... Do you think Jeremy felt really responsible for trying to get that next chapter sorted? Because I, I just find it interesting. There, you, you say he'd come off the phone with who he thought was George Lucas, and the first thing he'd do is phone Andy Wilman, of course, the, the big producer. Yeah. Do you, did you experience Jeremy kind of wanting to fix it all, or did he was he a bit more kind of laid back about it and hoping that things might just happen? Uh,
1: no, he he was he did feel very responsible for everyone else, uh, mm. and he wanted to fix it and um yeah I mean it it was a mess for some time and uh but yeah he obviously um it worked out very well (laughs)
0: absolutely yeah absolutely
2: so when those deals were kind of being floated around did you feel that it was actually quite a good point that Top Gear ended when it did um before things got if anything too stale with top Gaming on for so many years as it was the the transition to the grand tour obviously meant a lot of changes did you feel that actually that was a, a silver lining of everything that happened
1: yeah it's funny i for a little while i because of their well jeremy in particular his workload and uh it, it was just getting a bit ridiculous and i'm I saw the. I mean, yeah, I was. I wanted them to stop on a high, and then I guess actually the way it stopped was classic kind of rock and roll, which <laughs> they kind of are, in that it it just went bang, and it did effectively go out on a high as as far as the program was concerned, and um, and obviously people wanted more, um, so. Yeah, I I was all, I was definitely worried that I didn't want it to end like petering out, you know, mm-hmm. and people losing interest. Um, and then what happened happened, and that was that. It's interesting,
0: yeah. isn't it? There 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 are, there are quite a few little chapters that have happened since. So going back to the, the format of Top Gear as we know it, the, the Clarkson and Wilman format from two thousand and two onwards where yeah. there are a few significant events that took place that a lot of people, Richard Porter included, I mentioned his name again, where he said it, the the big thing that put Top Gear on the screens for a lot of people was Hammond's accident. You know, Top yes. Gear had been it's around for many years, as, a, as a, yes. both in the old yeah. format and the new yeah. format for a couple of years. Yeah. Then suddenly Richard Hammond has this huge accident and everyone in the world goes, oh, I kind of know about that guy, so they want to yeah. watch it. And the viewer figures went through the roof afterwards.
1: Yes. And in fact, um, Richard, bless him. Uh, and I, <laughs> I well, yeah, I think he, hopefully he's got a longer career because he's the youngest. <laughs> <laughs> and he still looks good. Um, but, um Richard was very popular in the, with children. He was doing mm. children's, um, I don't know if you knew, were aware of that, yeah, but he did yeah. like science stuff on Kids TV and he was really, I think he won a few awards mm. um, for Kids TV. I mean, Jeremy used to rip the piss out of him for it, but, um, <laughs> you know, he's he was good and he's very appealing. And, yeah, so, yeah, that, yet, like you say, that there were chapters and things that happened that, changed the dynamic of it and that and then i think you're right from that point on it it started to become family viewing where Mm. the whole family and i certainly personally because i i used to keep my you know the fact that i had a relationship with jeremy i kept that you know even when it was official i didn't really talk about it um but what i noticed was the boys and top gear were, were it's like um it's part of our culture. They they were in everyday That's language. Right. Yeah. So, who you know, even with this book, um, the people around me. And now I I've gone off at a tangent, following another dream, working with horses and children, doing equine therapy. And I, some of my students who, who are mad about cars and Top Gear, which is great. I can banter with them about that. Um, but you know, their parents and people that you wouldn't think were into it at all. They're so excited to know that I used to work for Top Gear. You know, there's people from all walks of life um, that are interested in it and loved it. Um, I
2: suppose that's the thing. Top Gear is not just a thing from the UK. It has become this worldwide incredible thing. So, um, I mean, obviously you've got so many stories for the book. What What was the, the point that you thought to yourself, you know what, I should actually go and start the process of making this into something that other people can enjoy? Where where did the, the point where you think I'm going to write a book
1: kind of, uh, well, that's a story in itself. Um, while we were on tour, um, and you know what, it's probably Jeremy bought me my first iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's probably from that point... I always took photos. I've always done that all my life and annoyed my family immensely by <laughs> boring them through my trips. You know, I'm all over excited. saying, you're going to you're gonna look, look look at this, look at this, look what I did. <laughs> um, in fact, I had a laugh with my dear old dad. He's like, probably not long for this world. And I'm so glad I was able to give him an actual book mm. and he's still with us. Mm. But he... Um, I said, it's weird, isn't it, Dad? You know, I finally... Written my, a book, and it feels like this is what I've always meant to do because I loved writing stories. And I said, "Do you remember I used to come home and annoy you all?" And he said, "Yes." <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, but this time, what I'm writing about, there's loads of people that will be interested mm. in it." <laughs>
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: Um, but going back to how it came about was, you know, and I've very much written this as a number one fan. For the fans, and I, I, I just loved watching them. And I've, as a mate, it was, which I was. I, you know, it was just I was having a laugh and doing what I loved doing. And I knew that the fans would just love to hear this banter between them and see what they got up to. So I started taking more and more photos. And the initial plan was to do like a almost Top Gear annual style book of lots of photos. I've got thousands of photos. Um, unfortunately, not all of them are very good quality because I was either drunk or my phone was crap. Um, <laughs> and um, that was my initial thing. And also slightly lazy of me. I thought this would be easy. But I'm also a, I'm very much a visual person. I, I love to see a picture and, you know, just write little captions, which, which like the chapter... Um, titles would be very easy to just a light-hearted fun book uh, with those pictures, and then um, for whatever various reasons, I, it didn't happen. Um, but the publisher John, who I met through I was working on a, another book la- a book launch, bizarrely, and met John, who turned out to have a son with the same condition as my son has, something called Fragile X. And and he is a massive Top Gear fan, and we just bonded. And then, his he was changing businesses and setting up new businesses, and I was going through stuff myself, and it didn't happen. And then, when lockdown—no, it was before lockdown. It was the beginning of 2020. I thought, right, I finished doing all my studies. I really—it was like it's always been a story that's niggled away that I wanted to, to share, mm. um, and. So I talked to John about it at the beginning of 2020, and um, and and then we got into lockdown. And so he was saying, "Oh yeah, come and meet the team," because that couldn't happen. And then over a series of mad phone calls, I suddenly found myself being contracted to write 70,000 words. <laughs> um, and in fact, what what I did because I had to repropose the book idea, and I thought, well, I better just see how much I can write about." each country that we went to. So I did a little, well, ended up being a chapter sample really about Amsterdam. And I thought, God, actually there's loads mm. to write. It wouldn't just be captioned. And then they asked me to do 70,000 words and I kind of took a big gulp and thought, <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. <laughs>
0: and it must have been at the time of writing it, because I know what this is like, a bit like when you try and tell the story about, Something exciting you did a few years ago. Suddenly, as you start saying two or three things, three or four things will then pop into your head, and yeah. you go, "Oh God!" And yeah. then this happened, and yeah, then this yeah, happened. Yeah. And you probably found yourself going, oh, "I'll take that bit out because there's yeah, no, yeah. No I to mean, I,
1: I, you know, like you said, there's there's so many stories. You know, this is like because I didn't, I wasn't there on on the whole turf for various reasons, whether it was issue with Jeremy and I or. Mm. Uh, you Know me needing to be with my son, um, I didn't do the entire tour, so this is just a snippet. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I've got the uh, what I was really disappointed in is that I couldn't have more photos,
0: yes, of course,
1: uh, in the book. But it that you know, it's very expensive to put photos in books. Mm. But maybe the next one, maybe I'll do a little. I was about to one. ask, yeah, there must be.
0: <laughs> There could be a second edition, or you know, particular stories about particular chapters. I'm sure, perhaps if the time if the time was right at some point, and you were happy to write about it, I think people would be even fascinated to read about your relationship with the controversial one, as you as you uh, <laughs> title him in the intro of the book, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's a it's a brilliant read, I can't wait to really get properly stuck into the rest of it because it's one of those things where I've started and now I'm thinking. God, I want to find more time to <laughs> to get through yeah. it. It really is a really is a good read. So the book at the time that this episode is out, it is out now, and um, and it's available to go and purchase from. I'm guessing all good bookstores. Is that the line we? Yes. Is that line yeah. What exciting
1: was um, <laughs> yeah. as, as much as it became a bit frustrating because of COVID. The the publishing date got kept getting put back and back. Mm. And um, uh, but then it, it's so lovely that we decide or the publisher decided no let's push it to may because that'll enable the bookshops to sort themselves out and um yeah it's really exciting to think that it can actually be in shops but obviously it's on all the online
0: absolutely and i'm guessing audiobook as well is that yes
1: that's out yep 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 Yep.
0: brilliant amazing well um Philippa, this has been absolutely incredible. It's been lovely to talk to you. I'm going to remind everyone that's listening of the title of the book again. It's Off Road with Clarkson, Hammond and May. Um, I urge you all to go and grab a <laughs> copy because it is brilliant. It is exactly what you expect it to be in the anecdotes and the stories and the behind-the-scenes clips. Um, yeah, it's it's just brilliant. I think it's great. And obviously it would be great because that would uh, sell a load of books and then you'll have loads of money, which is brilliant. Please! <laughs> <Sweet. laughs> Absolutely. I'm looking
2: forward to, to buying it and and yeah, finding out what's more of these uh, what more of these content uh, chapters are about. Such as another one I'll leave you with is get me a Range Rover and some bear stew. <laughs> there we are.
0: And I'm... If you want to find out what that's about, you have to buy the book. Yeah, buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Excellent. you
2: so much for for chatting with us this this, this, uh, Thank this afternoon. Thank you, and, uh, yeah, yeah,
1: can't wait to to read more.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Philippa.
1: Thank you, guys. Thank you very much.
0: The Driven Chat podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life.
1: Find out more at drivenchat.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more